Welcome to Social Workers Breakthrough. This is Imelda. And I'm Jennifer. And today we bring you EMDR. What is it and how does it work? How does it work? Well, I mean, like, does anybody really know? I've heard, I've heard it's like a million dollars. I mean, so like it does cost money, but it's not like doctor money. But I'll explain it. Stay with us. Yeah, so EMDR. So the first caveat is that I'm a recently trained clinician, so it's not like I've been doing EMDR for decades or anything, but I've had the privilege of being trained and I'm now working on my certification, which is additional consultation hours and experience after you've been trained. Also, to make sure that we're giving our listeners great information, a lot of the information that I'll be providing is either from the EMDR Institute, the EMDR International Association, or the EMDR Center for Excellence, which is run by one, my wonderful trainer, uh, Dini Leliotti. Um, so all their websites are going to be linked on the webpage for this episode at socialworkersbreakroom.com. So what is EMDR? Let's just start with the basics. Yeah. So EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, uh, is a psychotherapy that allows people to heal from symptoms and emotional distress that are a result of disturbing life experiences. So your brain actually wants to heal just like your body wants to heal wounds, like when you get a cut. But if there's something in the way, just like we think of cuts, like if there's an infection or something in the way, it can't quite do its job. So, and one of my clients, you know, another way to think of it, uh, who is really good with computers, he was like, oh, it's like having a computer virus, right? Like, it doesn't mean that my computer's not working and that like nothing's working or going correctly, but some things are blocked from working as well as they could, which one of those things is often blocked for people is your own internal healing process. Hmm, that's a great analogy. Um, I'm still struggling to understand, like fully understand what EMDR is and how does it work. So this, I'm sure this is, this is going to help a lot. So, so how does it actually work? Yeah. So EMDR is like very structured. So like a lot of people, if you've been trained in something like dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT, problem solving treatment, things that have like a more rigid process to them and kind of an executed order, um, EMDR is done through an eight phase treatment. So your therapist would use some sort of eye movements or other bilateral stimulations. You guys might have seen people like kind of mm-hmm. waving the two fingers back and forth, or you might have seen other equipment used like light bars or buzzy bands, especially if you watched uh, Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. in Joe's episodes where she goes off to treatment for a little bit. Her therapist is an EMDR therapist who uses a light bar during the session. Mm-hmm. So after you've done a little bit of treatment planning and established some boundaries, like a stop signal and a safe place to go to, your therapist will probably have determined a memory to target first. So you then kind of hold different aspects of that memory in your brain and you use your eyes to track the therapist's hands as it moves back and forth across your field of vision. So in those different elements could be like, where do you feel this in your body? What part of that memory, what image is the worst thing to you? So different things that are coming up for people. You know, oftentimes when I ask people to think of things that come up in EMDR, I know you guys can't see me on a podcast, but it's the things that make you go and like kind of wince away from it when you think of the memory where you're like, oh, that was so embarrassing. You're like, gosh, that was an awful thing that happened. You know, and there's different elements of that, right? Like it makes you feel something in your body and it oftentimes does bring up an image or a nightmare. So those are some of the things that your therapist would often ask you to hold in your mind while the bilateral stimulation is going on. So why bilateral stimulation and why does it work? 
as it's happening, the bilateral stimulation, uh, for reasons believed by, you know, one Harvard researcher has connected it to the biological mechanisms involved in rapid eye movement sleep or REM sleep. There are internal associations that arise, um, so kind of like dots that start to connect in your brain, and the clients begin to process the memory in disturbing feelings. So a lot of times our brain gets stuck. Something, again, about our own internal healing process didn't get to happen. So we're allowing the brain to kind of check into the place that it does healing the best, and then we're really taxing that working memory through those bilateral stimulations to begin that processing. Would you say that is something similar um, to the techniques used with hypnotherapy of how it's just um, like the brain goes to another, like, or the, your visuals goes to another part um, so they're not stimulated and then you can like dig into your memories yeah so it's like it's one of those things that like is the same but different like mm -hmm. you know hypnotherapy you know rectangle square kind mm -hmm. of stuff so you are tapping into a different part of your brain you know that's allowing things to kind of subconsciously process you're letting your brain to kind of go where it needs to go and make the associations maybe it wasn't able to make or the actions it wasn't able to do at the time but it's not the same as hypnosis so i feel like that's something we have to tell clients all the yeah. time because they see the waving fingers you know there's a therapist but one of the things that's really important that we do in EMDR is make sure that you can maintain dual awareness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we'll do a dissociative experiences scale before we get started with clients to make sure that they can reassociate. And a lot of times you'll say things like, look at me. I know you're thinking of this, but look at me. Look into my eyes. Know that I'm here with you and know that you're safe. Look around the room, you know, kind of like that yeah. five, four, three, two, one grounding will bring people back, right? Like I've asked you to keep one foot in the past with something terrible that's happened to you, but I need you to keep one foot in the office with me right here Interesting. and look at me and know that you're safe. So rather than hypnotherapy where we say like plunge, yeah, go, go all the way to the other side, completely check into that. We ethically want to keep people in the present because we don't want to open any cuts that we can't Close, pack back yeah. up and then send them home. With the open cuts, yeah. Exactly. So we want to make sure that folks can maintain that dual awareness. Mm -hmm. So if EMDR therapy is successful, the meaning of that painful events is typically transformed on an emotional level. You know, oftentimes those of you may be more familiar with cognitive behavioral therapy, we use a lot of cognitions in EMDR too. So there might be a negative cognition, you know, something like I am bad, I am unworthy, I am unlovable, and then a positive cognition of like, I have power now, I did the best I could, I can control things in my life. So for an example, um, an assault survivor may shift from feeling like horror and self-disgust and holding a firm, you know, belief about how terrible they are to transforming that and holding a firm belief of I survived it and I'm strong. Mm -hmm. So, and one of my favorite things about it is unlike talk therapy, the insights gained in EMDR therapy really don't come from clinician interpretation, but it's coming from the client's own accelerated intellectual and emotional process. So one of the things that I feel like it's a gift that I get to say it because it's true and I say before starting any EMDR session is it is your own brain that will be doing the healing and you are the one in control. That's powerful. It is. It's amazing. Um, and to me, it's also why it works so well, because it's not about me 
connecting the dots or correctly or, you know, saying, quote unquote, the right thing, the dots were already connected. The client already processed everything they needed to heal. It was just my job to bring it into the light in a place where they felt safe. So it feels a lot more client centered as well as, again, it works more quickly because, you know, Mm -hmm. I consider myself to be largely like a psychodynamic therapist. There's a huge rapport building process in that, right? Mm -hmm. Where after I get to know your whole situation, you know, over sometimes years of therapy, it's easier for me to say like, you know, when, when did you learn to settle for crumbs Mm. or when will you have suffered enough or to point out, do you think you do that because that's the way your mother treated you? Yeah. Or why do you keep going back to the well when you know the water is poisoned? So, 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 you know, there's, um, um, a point, uh, something happened in their lives that they had that shift in thinking of self-worth and just patterns of, of, of thinking of feeling that kind of like led them to where they are now. Right. And normally in talk therapy, I feel like that takes us a very long yeah. time to get to, because if we're going to make kind of a profound observation, we want to be at least a little bit right about it. Mm-hmm. But in EMDR, we're asking the clients to make profound observations about their own life. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be an expert. Like we can get right down to business because again, it's your own brain doing the healing. You're in control. Where is your brain taking you? Like, let's go with that. It's okay to go there. You're safe here. So um, the other thing that I both love and have to check on myself often is, you know, unlike my normal kind of therapy, you don't do much talking in detail at all during processing sessions. So you're using a couple words, an image, an emotion, or a feeling in the body, like kind of one at a time. And I think that all the clients that are haunted by something but aren't ready to talk about it may have this kind of Freudian couch idea of therapy Mm -hmm. and may have like no idea that EMDR or not talking about it is an option. And kind of to bring up an example of why else that is helpful, um, somebody brought up a great example of having treated an adult that had been molested as a child in a rural community where everybody knew everybody and it was likely that the therapist knew the perpetrator. It was likely that the client's parents knew the perpetrator and so did everybody in the town. Mm-hmm. But in EMDR, you don't have to speak the name. Mm. And I don't know you know, any more about them than what your brain is bringing up for you and what you choose to share from that. So there's also usually no homework in EMDR, which is great for clients. That's good. Yeah. Um, so how do you know which clients it's appropriate to use EMDR with and um, and how do we know that what that if it's working? Because I'm sure that it's not for everyone and that you might try it out with some clients and just it doesn't go, it doesn't go anywhere. So how do you assess who needs it and when it's being effective? Yeah. So we know that EMDR is really effective for most people. And I mean, also really don't just take my word for it. Uh, There's been more than 30 positive controlled outcome studies. So some of the studies show that between 84 and 90 percent of single trauma victims no longer have post-traumatic stress disorder after only three 90-minute sessions. Wow. So we're looking at, you know, DSM-5, PTSD criteria, and after only three sessions, they technically don't even qualify for the diagnosis. So that's single incident trauma, like an assault, a car accident. 
Um, another study that was funded by, you know, Kaiser Permanente found that 100% of single trauma victims and 77% of multiple, multiple trauma victims were no longer diagnosed with PTSD after only six 50-minute sessions. Another study, um, 77% of combat veterans were free of PTSD in 12 sessions. So thankfully, there's been a ton of research on EMDR therapy. So it's now recognized as an effective form of treatment for trauma and other disturbing experiences by organizations like the American Psychiatric Association, the World Health Organization, and the Department of Defense. But honestly, I thought before I was trained in EMDR that it had to be for PTSD or like those big T traumas in life. But it's also really for the trauma of the everyday. So if you had a childhood with like no big moments, but maybe you were parentified and had to get yourself up for school every morning because your parents weren't there. Maybe it's work stress. Maybe it's being a marginalized person and all the microaggressions that you experience. Maybe it's substance use and all the journeys that that takes people on. Maybe it's having emotionally immature parents or parents who didn't do their own healing. So now they continue to disappoint you in adulthood. It doesn't have to be this like one big terrible thing. It can be the steady diet of trauma because over time, those little pebbles can be heavier than the boulders, but both of them deserve healing. That is very, very interesting. I, you know, as, as I hear you talking, I just, I, more questions come up. How do you know, let, let's say that, you know, I'm, I'm the client or I'm the patient and um, you sold me into it. I'm like, okay, I think I, I, I want to try EMDR. Um, what should I look for? And a therapist or a clinician, um, what type of licensing or specialization should I look for or ask before I start any treatment or sessions with, with someone who is certified? Yeah. So I would definitely say looking for people that are EMDR trained. Um, I wouldn't get discouraged if your therapist is EMDR trained, but not certified. Mm. Um, you don't need to be certified to be a great therapist. Those therapists just happen to spend extra time in training getting even better. So it means that they've done, if they're certified, they've done EMDR with a lot of different clients over time, as well as, you know, through our process to move from like an LMSW to an LCSW or whatever your associate to clinical licenses in your state, you know, we go through a ton of clinical supervision. So people who are certified went through basically extra clinical supervision while they were treating people to get more and more training. Um, I would say definitely leaning towards independently licensed clinicians versus associate level clinicians. It's not that associate level clinicians can't be great because some of them are, but a lot of times, you know, they're only a year or two out of school. You know, they're very new to the field. They haven't quite developed a therapeutic style yet. Um, and a lot of really reputable EMDR training institutes won't train associate level clinicians. They're like, you need to be independent you know, you need to have that experience under your belt before you take on such an intense modality and clients that can have such intense traumas, intense feelings, right? Like you need to have a good bulk of experience under your belt before you start delving into this and making EMDR your modality. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, so now that um, I feel like services and therapy has evolved because of COVID, because of so many things, more and more into telehealth. Can EMDR also be used um, in telehealth? 
Yes. Um, So as some of you may have known from other podcast episodes, um, I work for a remote company and I run a remote team. So it was important for me to have training that had telehealth components in it because I know that's how I was going to be able to use it. It's not that I don't and won't ever use it in an office. The majority of things that I do are via telehealth. And, you know, as with most things with telehealth, it's different, but it's just as effective, you know, and one thing that often gets asked is like, oh, you can't use the buzzies or you can't help the client tab because you're not there. But the most effective form of bilateral stimulation is the eye movements, which are typically conducted with the fingers, and that works just fine. Or there's, you know, websites that will do kind of uh, an electronic light bar where you can share your screen Mm -hmm. and... You know, we know that the eye movements that are conducted, you know, back and forth or diagonally are going to be the most effective. So really, like maybe I lost a couple of my other tools that I could have reached for, but they would have been less effective than the tools I have over telehealth. True. Um, Do you think it's worth getting trained? Yes. (laughs) So uh, please do your research on training and your trainers. Uh, Know your learning style. Know what's important to you. And also, I'm going to shamelessly get up on the soapbox for a moment. Um, I do want to say, ask in your Facebook groups, but you know what you need to do first? Use the search function in the group. There's Mm -hmm. almost no way that you are the very first person in any given mental health group to ask who are the best trainers or who the best trainers in your area are. If this is the first time you're hearing this, uh, once you're in a, on a group's Facebook page, in the top right corner, there's going to be a magnifying glass. And if you click that, it will say search in name of group, like search in Arizona Mental Health Professionals. And you could type in EMDR or you could type in EMDR training. But the chances are this has already been asked and therapists and other professionals have already spent their time, energy, and emotional labor answering this question for free. So please don't make them answer the same exact thing again. Use your resources wisely. So, okay, that's my soapbox. (laughs) And that also goes for everything in every Facebook group ever, right? Please search it before you put up a new post. Very true. It will only take you a moment. (laughs) And again, you're saving free emotional labor from your colleagues in the field. But that aside, EMDR training is expensive. There's really no way around it. You know, most organizations that train will offer a discount for people who work full-time in a nonprofit setting. So maybe if you're in a full-time nonprofit right now, you know it's not the career that you're going to have forever, but you're like, how do I get to that next level or what comes next for me? While you're at that full-time nonprofit, go get trained, Mm -hmm. (laughs) get that discount. Um, there's also sometimes group discounts if you register with multiple people. So if you're in, you know, a group of therapists or you have friends that you graduated with, you know, now would be a great time to pull a couple of them together and say, hey, I want to do EMDR training. Do you want to do it with me? Let's see if we can get a group discount. Um, it's also a big attractor for people to practices and agencies. So it may be worth asking if your agency is willing to cover partial costs. You know, they might say like, Hey, we've been getting 10 calls a week to yeah. see if someone's in EMDR. Yeah, I was I was just going to suggest that, that some some agencies um have um educational credits or mm-hmm. they can give you uh up to like I don't know, $500 or $1000 and you know in, in the year for educational purposes so that maybe this is something that you can look into and and talk to your employer. 
Yeah, it's always worth asking, you know, especially if you know that your agency is going to charge a different rate for it, or sometimes if you use um, equipment with EMDR. So if you do use Buzzies or a light bar, there's an additional code that you can bill for using like special equipment in a session, which usually adds, I mean, like, $10, $20 to the session, but, you know, $10, $20 every EMDR session over time would pay the agency back for what they paid to get you trained. I was just going to ask that. Do you know if EMDR, it's covered by insurance companies or is it billed in a different, a different code, different rates? Yeah. So you bill it the exact same way that you would uh, other therapy sessions. So most of the therapy codes out there are time limited codes. So, you know, whether you're doing 45 minute plus or 60 minute plus, or it's an intake, et cetera, but there is an extra code that you can bill sometimes to some insurance companies, not all of them all the time for using special equipment. So if you're just doing manual bilateral stimulation with your hands, there's no special equipment to bill the code for. However, you know, if you're using, again, buzzies, like bar that you needed to purchase special equipment in order to communicate certain things to the client, like the stimulation, then often you can bill that separate code, which will, you know, add a little bit onto the bills and again, may pay your agency back for training you. Uh, If you're in private practice, though, you know, most people charge a different rate for EMDR because it is such advanced training. So eventually you might also pay yourself back through those means. And as mentioned before, you know, even if your therapist isn't certified, you know, get the training. The training is Mm -hmm. good. It allows you to practice EMDR. You may decide to get the extra, you know, again, consulting hours and experience to become a certified EMDR therapist. But EMDR trained is, you know, good enough to start practicing. Final question. Um, I'm just placing myself in the the side of the client mm-hmm. or the patient. So let's say that um, I've been reading about EMDR. I really want to try it, um, but I'm not even set up with a therapist. Like I'm not even in regular therapy, like talk therapy right now. Um, so do I need to, um, does it need to have, you know, a few sessions of, talk regular talk therapy and then go into use in EMDR or can I just just focus on on that tool um, for my therapy sessions? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So a couple things about finding a therapist, you know, I would say the majority of therapists that are listed on Psychology Today, which is a therapist and psychiatrist finding search engine, if you've never used it, it does have a filter for EMDR. So if you're thinking maybe not now, but maybe eventually there's something I want to dig into and I'm not going to want to have to switch therapists. So let me just find an EMDR trained one now. Also, you know, this isn't a blanket statement, but oftentimes, you know, if I'm going to refer my clients out, then I'll choose someone who's EMDR trained because I know that they're serious enough to spend that amount of like time, money, uh, consultant hours, et cetera, to become a better therapist. So even if my clients never use EMDR, I'm like, okay, this is a trauma-informed, dedicated professional who is at least willing to go this far to become a better therapist. So that's one way to find them. 
Um, as for, you know, kind of setting that up if you're interested in this. So part of the eight phases of EMDR has a lot to do with assessment and mm-hmm. treatment planning. So it's not like, you know, you're going to come yeah. and sit down and I'm going to be like, surprise, start watching my fingers. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> um, you know, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, what are the things that you're hoping to get out of this? Um, some EMDR therapists will often have like the basically the only homework assignment that I'll often give is, you know, what are the 10 best things that have ever happened to you? And what are the 10 worst things that have ever happened to you? Just so that I can kind of skim the surface of like, all right, where can we go for safety and goodness in your life? And what are some things that might come up as we're starting to do EMDR again? Your brain is going to connect those dots. It's not like, okay, starting with number 10. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're going to figure out and let your brain do what it needs to do, you know, float back to where it needs to go to. Um, But oftentimes, again, you'll do a pretty regular assessment, a pretty regular biopsychosocial, psych eval, intake, whatever the agency calls it. Mm -hmm. And you and the therapist will get to know each other at least just a little bit before you get into EMDR. If you're looking for something where you start processing like right, right away, uh, you can look for therapists who are trained in accelerated resolution therapy, um, which is really, I consider it like a sister to EMDR. It uses the same kind of science, um, but it's a completely different protocol. That training is even more expensive. Um, it's much fewer sessions, but it's just different. Mm. You know, I'm not saying it's it's better or it's worse. It's just different. different There's a reason why not as many people go. There's a reason why not as many people are trained in it. And part of that's because it's new, but part of that's because it's different. We know a lot about EMDR. We know pretty much why it works. We know that it works really, really well. But if you were hoping to like, okay, I want to do three sessions, get in, get out, process this thing that happened to me, you might also want to look into accelerated resolution therapy. All right. So you're saying that EMDR is highly suggested to be paired with other types of therapy. Um, so to not be used as a like a one-time thing. It's it's a tool to continue enhancing your healing process. There are some people who will just come for EMDR, right? Like I'll start them with their kind of eight-phase treatment plan. We'll do, you know, six to 22 sessions. It's typically what's recommended. Mm -hmm. And they don't see me ever again. And all we do is EMDR. You know, we get them set up. and But most of them will probably have done some sort of psychotherapy before it and some sort of psychotherapy after it. Um, A lot of therapists, too, will send out for a course of EMDR. For example, um, I have been working with a person who's uh, one of a couple. She's seeing a marriage counselor, and she had a specific trauma. So the marriage counselor sent me her to do a course of EMDR with her. And then once we've processed this trauma, she's going back to marriage counseling. So I'm just covering her course of EMDR. So a lot of times you'll see people move and shift around and some people stay with their EMDR therapist and some people start with their EMDR therapist, but it can be done, you know, on its own in conjunction and both are equally effective. It just really depends on what the person's looking to get out of it. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for answering all my questions. Yeah. Thanks for asking such great questions. (laughs) So, as always, we hope you got some good information today and maybe have been inspired to learn more or maybe become trained yourself. The resources we spoke of are on our website, socialworkersbreakroom.com. And we'll see you next time. See you later. Alligator. In a while. Crocodile. Crocodile. Gotta go, buffalo. (laughs) Take care, polar bear. Hasta mañana, iguana. (laughs) 